Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Welcome to the Finding Dad Bod, where my dad, Coach Alex Van Houten, puts his 14 years of experience to work for you. You should listen to him. He's pretty beast mode. Who knows who we could be if we could become 1% better every single day. What's up, guys? This is Alex Van Houten with Defining DadBot. I hope you're doing super well. You're listening to Season 3, Episode 35 of Defining DadBot where we're interviewing Dr. Skylar Pond. This episode's been brought to you by the Better Daily app. Work hard to become 1% better every single day, but don't do it alone. Our community just launched our new app for Apple devices and Android devices, and we think you're going to love it. Go to definingdadbod.com slash betterdaily and type in coupon code DADBOD, all caps, to save 25% on your subscription. That's definingdadbod.com slash betterdaily. The app's working great. We love it. Our community loves it, and we hope to see you there. I'm excited to bring this interview with Dr. Pond to you. He's a sports medicine chiropractor, a corrective exercise specialist like myself, a regenerative medicine specialist, a jiu-jitsu competitor, and the team physician for a professional MMA team in Seattle, Washington. Dr. Pond is the proud father of two teenage boys, and I sincerely enjoyed this conversation. We got into the psychology of injury, the importance of physical development, and the growth of manhood and masculinity. And he threw down some knowledge about preventing and recovering from injuries. This one really ran the gambit, and I know you'll find something valuable out of it. Before we get there, here's your food for thought. My food for thought for you today comes from a session I had with one of my clients this week. She's recovering from back surgery, which was the culmination of over a decade of a lack of self-care, exercise, and caring for ailing parents, which wore down the discs in her back and was causing continual pain. We've really made progress over the past few months. But in our session this week, she threw me for a loop. She said, hey, Alex, I was watching some of your exercise videos and I saw you doing pull-ups. Can we try that beginner version today? Mind you, my client's no spring chicken. And when we first started together, pull-ups weren't even on her radar. In fact, as she asked it, the look in her eyes and on her face even said, I know you probably think this is a bad idea and I'm probably going to suck at this. Imagine her surprise when my face lit up and I almost shouted at her, I'm so glad you asked. I can't wait to teach you this. Let's do it. I couldn't help it. I was stoked for her. You see, when you wrestle with something like a back injury, and you've been down and out for a while, it's easy to begin imagining your future as if it's way bigger than you, and that you're never going to grow. You're going to stay stuck in that same one place, wrestling with the same pain, day in and day out. 
However, what's powerful is in realizing that though there might be some burdens in your life that aren't going anywhere anytime soon, that there's still opportunity for growth elsewhere. And that's what she was doing. And so my client spent the next 30 minutes with me mastering the beginning steps of hanging her body from a pull-up bar with strength and endurance. She doesn't know this, but I took a video of her so that in a couple months, I can show her how far she's come. My food for thought for you today is this. Do you have something in your heart and mind that's calling to you that even though you'll probably suck at it, you gotta give it a shot? Can you picture that thing? It might be running or walking a distance or trail that you've never done before. It might be performing an exercise move like a pull-up or a deadlift. It might be trying a new modality like swimming or yoga. Or it might be asking a friend if you can join them for a workout class that you know they're a part of. Can you picture it? What would happen? What would happen if you gave yourself the permission to take a baby step in the direction of growth? I don't want to make any promises here, but I will say that it's very possible that a baby step like that could change everything. I know for my client this week, taking on a pull-up was a lot more than resolving to pull herself up over the bar. What more? Well, I guess we'll find out. I'd love to know your thoughts. Shoot me a message at CoachAl at DefiningDadBot.com. That's your food for thought today. I hope it gives you something to munch on. Now, without further ado, let's get to this awesome interview with Dr. Skylar Pond. What's up, guys? This is Alex Van Houten with Defining Dadbot. I hope you're doing super well. I am joined by a brother from another mother, though he doesn't know it yet, uh, Dr. Skylar Pond. How are you, brother? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today here today, Alex. Yeah, man. And I appreciate you and I appreciate your story, which we're going to get into in a second. But before we get there, I actually watched an interview with you on, I think, Seattle's Best, where you had competed on a TV show called The Broken Skull which is like yeah. this insane competition where CrossFit meets grappling. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? This was like four or five years ago. You're doing exercises while getting tackled. So I need to, yeah. I need to hear a little bit about that because I'm trying to get on the American Ninja Warrior, which is a TV show as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I need to know, how'd you get on the show? What the heck happened? Why'd you do it? I, I would love cool. to hear about that before we get into the meat of today. Well, I appreciate that. That's a fun topic. Um, you know, I, I could use a little levity in the world right now. So let's get silly. Let's talk about wrestling hillbillies in the in the desert. So, <laughs> no joke. and that's basically what that was. That's what that was all about. Um, yeah, I was on that show twice. I uh, want the first time was. I don't know, four or five years ago. And then they brought me back again for an all-stars episode a couple years after that. Um, and I don't know how it happened. It was pretty, pretty arbitrary. The, um, I was competing in CrossFit and strongman and kettlebelling and stuff like that. That was my big passion and drive at that time. And apparently at the end of the show, it was on CMT. You got Steve Stone Cold Austin looks at the camera and says, we're looking for the baddest sons of bitches in America. And if you think you got what it takes, you know, sign up at, you know, steveaustin.com, right? <laughs> and, and a friend of mine and a coach of mine, um, in a great leap of faith, which I'll appreciate forever, just that, oh, well, that's Skylar. So she, she um, sent me the application, and um, I had never seen the show. I filled out the application in between patients. I took it as, hey, that's a great compliment. Thank you. Yeah, I'll fill it out. Didn't think much of it, and I uh, – Ended up getting getting a call back, talking to a couple of producers, and I have no background in wrestling. You know what I mean? It, 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 it was just like a strange thing to to sign up for because it's really what it is. Is um, it's like do you remember American Gladiators back when we yes. were kids? Like yes. that that space age kind of fighting show. 
Um, it's like that, but just a hillbilly, you know, functional strength version where you're, you're throwing tires and hitting, swinging sledgehammers and tackling each other. And you have all kinds of really cool primal physical challenges, you know, like one is uh, like if you and I were competing against each other, we'd both hold ends of a looped rope. You hold one end and I hold the other. And they say, go. It's like, make, make Alex let go of that rope. And they say, Alex, make Skylar <laughs> let go of that rope. And you just go and just figure it out, you know, (laughs) it was absolute chaos. Oh man, you don't have that kind of fun as an adult. Like (laughs) you just, it just doesn't happen. It was absolutely there. There are no rules. Everything's safe. It's fine. We're in a giant sandbox right on Steve Austin's ranch, you know, out in the desert. And it's just like, everything's going to be fine. Just go nuts. Uh, But I, I was just thinking more, this isn't really my thing. What if I break my arm? Even if I win, I lose, you know, I got to take time off of my, my clinic to be there. I didn't really put my heart into the interview process, but um, when they didn't call me back, I got obsessed with how badly I had to be on the show, you know? So that's how it goes, right? You want what you can't have. <laughs> yep. And I sent them ridiculous highlight videos. If you ever look like, look up Sky Pond on YouTube. There's a highlight video that my coach made for me, of me doing all kinds of ridiculous things. I sent them that. I was texting these producers all day saying things like, uh, you know, you're looking for the baddest son of a bitch in America. And I'm the Michael Jordan of bad sons of bitches. And just, just saying nonsense, just being, just being just about nothing nonsense. And they, they brought me in and yeah, they brought me in. We had a great time. It was way out of my comfort zone. And I was in that phase of my life where I wanted to do a lot of things outside of my comfort zone and see what was like out there. Um, I had a big temper tantrum when I, when I had a very controversial decision on, on my episode. So they, they loved that. And, you know, they, they brought me back to kind of keep the heat going, but you know, it, it, we're all on the same page. All these guys are all kind of in the same boat. Nobody's a, a professional run up a hill and tackle a guy, you know, it's, it's all kind of bravado yeah. and chest puffing. And it was, it was just a ton of fun though. And yeah, what a weird opportunity. <laughs> Some such a fun thing for like my kids to watch, you know, <laughs> yes. like that. That's my dad. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just, just a nice weird story to tell, you know. So I'm super glad I did it, but in no way is that my future, you know. It's just a weird little blip in the past, you know. But it's it's cool that you mentioned American Ninja Warrior. Um, my main adversary on that show is named Mac, mm-hmm. and he's known as the King of Obstacles. Uh. The king of obstacles. He's up, been on American Ninja Warrior several times. He's this giant beefcake. Yeah, he He's like the the biggest, tannest, most muscliest guy you'll ever see on that show. Like he shouldn't be able to hold himself up by his right. fingertips. But yeah, props to my big adversary, Big Mac. Uh, probably not going to run into you again, but if so, we'll, we'll have another good battle. <laughs> Shout out to Mac. <laughs> yeah. Maybe someday soon you guys can duke it out if it ever comes to it. <laughs> I mean, that was a big turning point in my life. I went from that and I used to decide, boy, I have to learn how to grapple. And I, I've always been the team physician for an MMA team here in Seattle, Ivan Salivary MMA, props to ISMMA. Um, and I began training there. They, they're teaching me, getting me ready for this, you know, showdown sequel thing. And when that all left, I stuck with it. I've been competing in Brazilian jiu-jitsu for over three years now. And that's just the new unending puzzle that you always get to play with. And, uh, yeah, so I'm really glad I opened up that door and it led to an interesting pathway that I'm, that I'm still on today. That's super cool. So that kind of brings me to your, your superhero origin story that will lead into our conversation today about growing confidence in our, our children in a way that's actually good for us too. So uh, get stoked, but let's, let's talk a little bit about how you got to where you are. You, as I understand you, and let me know if I misrepresent you here, you are a chiropractor who regularly sees patients in clinic. Uh, you work not only with the 
MMA studio that you're working with, but you also work with uh, youth athletes, you work yes. with adults, and your modus operandi, or, or one of the things you're really passionate about, is making sure that people are doing the things they love to do physically without injury. And um, so can you talk to me a little bit about how you got to doing what you're doing right now and why you still show up every day for it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, I suppose I've tried to create the clinic that I couldn't find, right? I tried in my experience as, a, as an athlete with my injury past, um, I, I was frustrated with the options I was presented with. And my wife and I, she's the acupuncturist here, and I'm the corrective exercise in Cairo here. Mm. We, we built this place 12 years ago, just really with that in mind. What was the place that I wish I could have stepped into? And I had a, a dislocating shoulder and a torn rotator cuff and torn labrum. Um, and that origin story wraps all the way back to uh, in, in college, I got really distracted by how much I love playing rugby. And um, I ended up taking a, a couple of years off from undergrad and kind of touring around and playing for teams on the east coast and the west coast and such um, that all got compromised when i had a pretty common injury i see now a big uh, dislocation subluxation of the shoulder from an overhead position coming around a set of cones mm -hmm. and yeah that was the biggest uh, impediment to my dreams in my life i really wanted to play international but I, I just wanted to see how far i could go with that but i was just told i needed surgery i needed to stop playing and I wasn't interested in either, you know, as a otherwise healthy 21 year old guy, I, I just wasn't wasn't accepting that. And I ended up exploring, exploring on my own, all the overhead stability strategies that have really been refined since then, you know, this was, you know, almost 20 years ago now. And uh, I ended up recovering the shoulder stability, continuing to play, no longer having dislocation trouble with the right shoulder. Um, but uh, a little bit of the fire had, had changed. I was so excited about what I was able to accomplish with the shoulder that I decided I was, I was more excited about fixing shoulders than I was about you know, rugby at that point. And I ended up recommitting to my education, completing the undergrad, going on to the post-grad world. I chose the chiropractic side as opposed to um, the, the more medical options. I felt at that time that it gave me as much freedom as I wanted to mm -hmm. design a protocol, how I wanted to do so. And that's just where I had most of my experience. I, I don't know if you have a lot of experience with rugby people, but there's tons of, of chiropractors in that community. Mm -hmm. There are good schools in this country that give away scholarships to great rugby players. So the rugby community is very much infused with that manual therapy kind of a worldview. So yeah, that's, that's really where the clinic moved to day one. That was our, that was our goal to not give people the option of um, rest or give up. Like, okay, it's my job. I assume when you came in, you've already seen my website, you know what I do. You've already tried the basics. I have a very educated population of patients. Um, the basics are kind of lost on them. They've already tried them, right? So it's my job to give you a, a quick reality check of, okay, you realize that rugby isn't really healthy for your shoulder, right? Like if you best, best for you, you'd probably hang up the boots and do Pilates. You realize that, right? Okay, we've checked that box. Now we understand our roles. My job is to help you reach your goal. My job is to help you to play your game to the best of your ability, to avoid the surgeries, to do everything I can. That's my job, to help you build strength as medicine, as we say, try to build a, a robust threshold around whatever vulnerable joint that you have um, in order to mitigate your risks and improve your quality of life as you pursue your goals. Um, so that's my job. First, I have to give a quick reality check and then, all right, I'm all in. You know, I'm not going to tell you that being a race car driver is, is dangerous. I'll tell you that once. And now I'm your pit crew. Let's go. Let's win. Ah, man, I love that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's such a cool origin story. You said something there that I'd like to point out and make sure our listeners hear. When it comes to physical prowess in a particular performance category, could be rugby, could be martial arts, could be broken sculling. <laughs> Many of those things aren't easy on the body. And there's a difference between 
like regular health and fitness, you know, exercise discipline practice and that sort of thing. And then also competing in something that's difficult and injuries can occur and whatnot. It's so that brings me to an interesting question. I find in the CrossFit community, for instance, there are a lot of chiropractors who also go to CrossFit. At its core, though, you watch a CrossFit class. It's not exactly the lightest thing you can do to yourself. (laughs) It's pretty rough. So question, as a chiropractor who came out of a rugby injury and somebody who's experienced a lot of physical intensity and whatnot, why do you engage in competitive activities like that that you know could result in problems for you and then how do you mitigate that risk for yourself well that's it's a great question the fact is i that's so multifactorial right as you frame it that way i want to say well it gives me a chance to to test my bs yeah are my strategies that i use to to protect myself are they effective do they work in the real world mm. uh, but the fact is i have an itch that needs scratched though i i'm hard on myself if i'm not pushing myself um in places that are uncomfortable i'm pretty judged mental i'm pretty down you know it's just it's something i need for my emotional well-being for one thing i need to i need to regularly stay um in a growth place where it's like well grow or tap out when it comes to jujitsu right so you're you're forced to do that um but it is the laboratory i've had nearly every injury any patient hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. It's ever brought to me. You know, I was very competitive in CrossFit for almost a decade. I competed in the regionals. They used to be regionals. I competed in seven years in a row. I've had every CrossFit injury that you can have. I've mitigated them. I've moved through it. And jujitsu led to another kind of... Uh, Uh, you know, birth story of sorts where I had uh, some ligaments torn in my knee in one of my first tournaments as a white belt, uh, medial collateral ligament, tore the meniscus. It was, it was a pretty messy injury. It sounded like standing in uh, shallow water in a river, like shin deep (laughs) and you hold a very large stone, you throw it and it makes that sound, right? That, Mm. that was the sound of my knee being compromised into a a valgus strain. Um, So yeah, it gives me the opportunity to explore from all the perspectives of my patient base. Um, and that's what sent me down the rabbit hole of trying to stimulate tissue health and tissue regeneration. We did a lot of PRP on that mm. um, knee injury. We did a lot of things and really figured out what's kind of the optimal way we can help the tissue itself and then put that in the context of the, the greater terrain of our patient, what's going on with their health, what's going on with their nutrition, what's going on with their sleep, their gut biome. How can we, how can we build up 
patients um, to get that kind of high responder that I, I'm the high responder. Like, absolutely. When I, when yeah. I put PRP in my knee, like, whoa, I don't need my crutches anymore. It was awesome. But it's like, okay, well, everyone's not going to get this exact situation. How can we figure out what are the commonalities between those who respond extremely well versus those who have more of a mild response? Um, so that's how I justify it to my wife anyway. You know, <laughs> this is this is field research, honey. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm I have willing to. to put myself. I'm willing to put myself in. This. I have to test these concepts out. I learned so much through it. When I deal with a patient who has an injury that I've gotten through, my eyes light up. It's like, oh, it's actually your left knee, actually your MCL. Great, come here. Let me tell you some secrets. You know, like, let me yeah. tell you. I've been there. Yeah, yeah. Forget about the clamshells; those don't work. Let's talk about these, and we and we'll get in there and all. And I feel like I'm letting somebody into my secret little club. I've been there. Let's let's talk about it. And it's so much different. I'm just so much better with every injury that I've had than ones that I've studied. Mm, yeah, very well said. So I resonate with this deeply. My story: I have Ehlers-Danlos hypermobility type. Mm-hmm. So I've wrestled in my life with ligaments and tendons that don't do their job correctly. So my joints do really fun things that they're not supposed to be able to do. And so I wrestle with that hypermobility in all of the things that I love, like martial arts or like powerlifting or yeah, running. Absolutely. So all the things that I love to do, and I've got two boys, I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old and wrestling around in the floor with them with hypermobile joints is its own brutal crucible, right? So many of the things that I've learned as a personal trainer and corrective exercise specialist have come through, been there, done that actually. Yeah. Like I know what it feels like for sciatica to be a problem, even though that's something that, you know, many people don't experience in their thirties. I do, but you know, 50 year old, 60 year old people who are like, how do you know how I feel? You're a young gun. And I'm like, actually, <laughs> let's talk. Right. So yeah. I, I love that though. And I, I love your, your heart and spirit behind that because I feel you in that if I can't do the high intensity things that are enjoyable and interesting, I feel like a caged bird. So I could say it's market research for myself, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the same time, if I was sitting twiddling my thumbs, you know, doing all the safe things, I'd be going crazy inside somewhere. Like there's a part of me that needs to run up a dang hill and lift something heavy and throw it. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder where that came from. Was, was that part of your experience as a child? That's a really good question. I believe, and actually this kind of leads to a conversation I'd love to have with you today. Mm-hmm. Personally, I believe it came from the, you could almost call it hyperactivity and the the creative outlets that as a child there's not a lot of constructive ways to handle being overly energetic and daydreaming and thinking about a bunch of things all the time. I don't know about you, but public school was hell for me. Like I got my work done and then got in trouble for throwing very fancy paper airplanes into the trash can, you know, like across because what else was I going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, otherwise I'm going to be jumping up and down on this desk doing backflips, you know, (laughs) Like, like this is about as constructive as it gets lady. What do you want from me? Yeah. So I think part of that itch for me comes from learning that my physical activity can be an outlet for that energy and creativity in a way to experience the world. What about yourself? Well, one thing I know about stress release is you can trick your body into thinking you've solved the problem. You know, um, whether you have a physical stress or an emotional stress or psychological stress, if you're stressed about, you know, the bills that need paid or what have you, um, that will build up. Your body starts to produce fuel for immediate energy. Blood glucose is going to spike. Your heart rate's going to go up. Blood pressure is going up. And my perspective on that is your body's ramping up to take on the task. You know, like our old mm. caveman body and system is saying, well, something must be wrong. There must not be resources in the area. What's going on here? How come we've had these elevations and cortisol for so long? And so we get kind of the thought that 
um, when we charge up the mountain, charge up the hill and just blow out all of our reserves, um, then then your body feels like, well, we must have done it. We must have moved the village away from the flood. You know, it's all it's all <laughs> we addressed the problem. Of course, we didn't do anything to solve the actual problem that caused the stress. But it is a useful hack. I find that um, there's a big difference between my my mental state and my call them the serenity perspective. If I'm if I'm in a high intensity training phase and if I'm not. Um, I think it's critical to nurture that from a young age. Um, I, as you alluded to in the the intro there, I began coaching youth rugby a few years ago, mostly just to try to discourage my kids from playing football, just because I didn't like the data I was seeing on that, you know? Sure. And I, and I was like, well, I know what you want. You want to tackle your friends and have fun. How about you pursue this for a couple of years? And if you still need to play some football, fine, but let's, let's get the fundamentals of, of proper tackling while your face is vulnerable, dialed for a couple of years. Um, well said. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I realized while coaching my children, I had that lifetime of experience and, and I had confidence, but coaching the community, I realized I, I was, if I couldn't help these kids become far stronger and more aware of their bodies, they were going to get hurt. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's simple in a contact, you know, no pads game like rugby, there are going to be a few plays in the game where you're going to have a hammer and you're going to have a nail. And I wanted to make sure that the kids under my supervision had every opportunity to choose to be the hammer in those situations. So I ended up um, building kind of a a youth strength and conditioning program through a a website where you could follow what my kids are doing. You could do it with sandbag and body weight and things of that nature. And I thought that was kind of a a critical survival tool back then. And that's what really got the momentum going. My boys are now 13 and 17 and um, we work out, we're bros. We, we trap slap each other and get ready to go for our sets. And we have a lovely relationship built around around our quest for whatever's just out of reach, you know, so we, we fail, we work hard, we, we get back up, we have no fear of failure together. It's a safe place to be a little, little bold. And I think there are a lot of good life lessons and all of that. Um, right now, I'd say it's more critical than ever. I don't know where things are at with your kids, but I'm in Seattle and um, our kids just are locked down. You know, they're in remote learning and there's really no hope, no end in sight. Uh, by the looks of it, they're going to bring back like maybe the, the kindergartners and the first graders this year. But it's very possible that my senior in high school may never step back into school again. Wow. Uh, and this is a, a critical time for them to take control of their bodies, take control of their minds, create their own healthy, safe spaces. Um, we, we began meditation training with them last week, like an intensive four-day meditation. They're meditating a couple of days couple times a day they're they're getting high interval high intensity interval training in heavy weightlifting i kind of try to push them to be bold and, and take chances and get out of the house and go for a run on your own and run up a hill explore something get dirt on your skin you know like this is critical this is this is a public health issue if mm. if our generation of children who have been stuck indoors through formative emotional and physical formative years if they embrace this going forward, we're in a lot of trouble as a nation. You know, if we if we don't have the skills and the values built around a healthy lifestyle, we're going to have more chronic disease. And if you have more chronic disease, you have more deaths when it comes to planet Earth, whether it's viruses or bacteria or what have you. If you don't understand, you don't value cultivating, creating your own vibrant, challenging physical culture we're all going to suffer for that. We all need to come up together because obviously we don't live in bubbles, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm healthy. Yeah. My kids are healthy. Yeah. They'd be fine in a public school, but that's not good enough. Our community's not healthy. Our community's not strong and confident, you know, whether it's teachers or parents, there's just too much pushback of people terrified to leave their homes. So it's not good enough for me just to create my strong little tribe of children and we'll be safe and happy together. It's not good enough. We're at a point where we have to build our communities. We have to build our entire culture of strength and resilience, or else we're all stuck on the same level together. 
So there, there's beautiful opportunities for possibility for really reaching out to one another and advocating for one another and seeing our linked health are absolutely inseparable. You know, if a large part of my community is vulnerable, susceptible, they're going to be changing how our whole community behaves and also going to be cranking out more viruses and we're all vulnerable to one another right now. So I try to stay positive in regards to the tremendous frustrations I have. <laughs> you can imagine having a senior in high school with, with aspirations of being a collegiate athlete who just, no, have a seat. You're not going to do that. Our community is not healthy. I am tremendously frustrated with the absolute dearth of information or people willing to step forward and fill that gap and say, okay, community, how can we get healthier? As, as a patriot, as a member of this society, as an American, you have a duty to build up your cardiovascular health. Every time you go out there and you breathe deep, you're taking in elements of your atmosphere, whether it's the COVID virus or it's something else, you're acclimating to your culture. You're building up your body's ability to live on planet earth. The more tidal volume you get through your lungs, there just aren't enough voices out there really exploring how to build up our strength, resilience, and strategy to live successfully on this planet. We're stuck in hide, survive, and hope that Big Pharma is going to save your life. I have no confidence in that strategy. I zero. I have zero. <laughs> Negative. And I feel very lucky that I have the kind of business and company that's this is built on health, built on resilience, built on endurance. I don't need to pivot and do anything. It just it just gives me another reason to get up earlier and fight harder and work better and, and grow um, because my company is linked to the future of my children, the health of my community, the future of the planet. We're in this together now. We're doing a lot of work with outside of our normal demographic right now. We're working with senior citizens, older people, people who are super vulnerable, people who have knees that are too painful that they can't walk. You know, and it's like, well, you are absolutely vulnerable. You, you might not survive this knee injury, <laughs> you know, right. I don't go fear and doom and gloom to the face of a patient, but I know, I know what the stakes are <laughs> in a situation like this. Well, and when, when you believe it that deeply and you're, you're speaking with a patient, they understand how much you care, even if it's unspoken, even if it's not like, Hey, you really do need to get this under wraps because this knee injury could be you know, the end of you eventually, <laughs> if, if it's down in your bones, like that's that. in my, that's in my head. It's one of the factors, yeah. but I always keep things on the positive side with patients. I've, I've been in, in situations with, with medical consultations where I felt like I was being maybe manipulated by fear and I did not, yeah, not good. appreciate it. And that, that doesn't happen in here. I'm not going to tell someone their spine's going to fall apart if they don't get adjusted two days a week. That, that doesn't happen in here. We talk about the potential that everybody has. If I find problems, it's like wonderful. It's like you just came to your dentist for your first time and found out what dental floss is. Imagine how great you're going to feel after we take care right, of this yeah. for you. <laughs> now, <laughs> you, know? you said some really deep and abiding things that are actually very related to this conversation I'd like to have with you about developing the, the psychosocial and physical aspect of not just childhood, but also adolescence. So there's a few threads I'd like to try to tie together here, and I might do a terrible job of it. So hang with me. All right. And, and I'm saying this to the audience as well. So sure. when you ask me where that itch comes from to scratch, so to speak. I grew up in a, a really poor household and in a single parent home, and I was the oldest of four kids. So for me, mm -hmm. the common parlance is martial arts was an outlet. Running was an outlet, you know, but it really did feel that way. Yeah. There was a deep stress that, you know, had to find some way out and constructively exercise was a deep part of that for me. Now, everybody's story is not the same, but it reminded me something of what I see in the everybody's watching the show right now. Cobra Kai on on Netflix. Have you seen the <laughs> seen the show? Absolutely, that's a family classic in the Pond House. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So so it's yeah. it's got the nostalgia. I celebrate all three seasons. 
there you go. Um, <laughs> I, I don't spoil it for me. I'm still, I just finished season two. So I've, I've got one more. Um, but so one quick spoiler alert here. Okay. There is some karate and some face kicking. There is. <laughs> yes. So I don't know if you got to get the kids out of the room. There's going to be, there's going to be some karate. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. well said. And there's a little language too. So my five-year-old who repeats everything he hears uh, is currently not allowed to join me for Cobra Kai yet. But. As long as, as long as Sensei Lawrence is on screen, get the children out of the room. <laughs> Done. Yeah. He's, he does. He knows, he knows not what he does. He's the blonde one. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. So yeah, he's had a lot of sweet babes over the years. That's right. It's sweet babes. Uh, and, and, <laughs> If you're if you haven't watched Cobra Kai, you're not going to dig any of these inside jokes. So sorry, but anyway, that that said, one of the things that they explore, one of the themes in the show, and this is true in my life, is the development of one's inner strength by developing one's outer strength. Meaning that you know the kid, he's a troubled teenager. He lives in a, a single parent home. He's getting picked on at school and stuff, and then suddenly he learns how to fight. And it, it's not easy. Like there's the Rocky montage and everything, right? But he's got to do the push-ups, and he's got to get kicked in the face and he's got to get yeah. beat up basically before, before finally, you know, he, he stands up at school, whoops, the bullies gets the girl, you know, and, and, you know, it kind of, kind of follows that story. And what's really wild about that to me is I've seen something similar in many of the guys that I coach in personal training. It's like somewhere deep down is this kid who never learned how to fight or somewhere deep down is this adolescent who every time they they get a little better at their deadlift or every time, you know, they get a little further on their pull up or every time they yeah. run a little farther. They're like, "You know what? I didn't realize that I was made of sterner stuff than I knew. I didn't realize that that part of me could see this through that that I could be disciplined and that I could be consistent and that when it sucks, I could still do it. I could still keep yes. going." And something about exercise as a discipline, um, not just in adulthood, but in youth and in adolescence, something about exercise as a discipline. And it could be true for women. I've, I've worked with a lot of women as well, but especially in the guys that I work with, there's something deep down that like, if that part of you doesn't get trained, if that part of you doesn't get to come out, then you feel like something's missing. Mm -hmm. You feel like there's a gap there. So you're raising two young men. Yes. What's been your experience with the coming out or the waking up of the warrior, so to speak, through exercise? So I pursue this both implicitly and explicitly with my children. Implicitly, I want them to realize on their own that working through discomfort pays off, that I want them to experience on their own um, an effort-reward relationship, right? where putting in X hours, you get to come back and now you put two more pounds on. You feel that relationship and it builds, it's, it's unavoidable. They understand it on their own. But I do explicitly connect those dots too. You know, like um, I train with my boys. We have this wonderful ritual we run about, it's about a six mile loop from our home um, up north and then down through this beautiful little park, Schmitz Park, down to Alki. And we jump in the water and we see you can stay in the water the longest, rinse off the sand and run back home up the hill. And we time each direction. And, you know, with the endorphins flying, dad, dad mode's on 100% and I'll, and I'll get real with them. And I'll just say, you, you realize, of course, that the lessons you're learning about your body apply to everything. There is an effort reward relationship in everything. And the first time you did this, it was scary. And now you have confidence with it. And this applies to everything. Please don't fail to connect these dots. I want them to be willing to be vulnerable and to be exposed and to do things that they know they're not good at and and to, to embrace the concept of getting the bad reps out of the way. Like, you, you, you know, whether, whether it's lifting weights or martial arts or, or drawing, 
singing. There's a requisite number of bad ones that you have to do and you have to embrace that and, and don't feel uh, ashamed of it and don't feel the guilt. Um, and I, I know that that's very real. I didn't do any martial arts of any sort until I was 39 years old because that fear avoidance behavior. You know, I, I had my friends in high school were on the high school wrestling team and I wanted no part of wrestling with them because I just didn't want to be exposed as, as weak. I didn't. So I'd rather just perpetuate my weakness than face it and grow it and, and grow strength upon it. And it was a big liberating moment for me when I finally stepped out there and realized it wasn't as scary as I thought. And it, it's no big deal. Of course, I don't know anything. Um, not supposed to. And I, you know, I just share those experiences with the boys quite a bit. And I want, and I, it's important to me that they connect these dots together of that um, effort reward relationship of being willing to fail. And the importance of that effort reward relationship is a lesson that I learned out of a, a parenting book as I saw it, Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers, I mm-hmm. thought was a parenting book. Remember that one in, in the math section where he was talking about how all the kind of he was exploring the stereotypes of Asian countries have children that are better at math. Mm-hmm. And he explored that through this international standardized tests. And he confirmed it. it's like, well, that's true, but it's more subtle than that. It has far more to do with their agricultural model. So Asian countries that have a rice-based agricultural model were actually significant better at math than the rest of the the world. And the way that he uh, established that was that there was a big section that you fill out before you take the exam where you tell all the the details about your life and yourself has nothing to do with math because they're trying to determine what can we do to make people better at math. But it would take like 45 minutes. And the kids that would fill out that entire section or the the nation, the kids from the nation that fill out the most on this irrelevant section you won't be judged on also um, scored the best in the math test. The children of the nations that skipped, that just like, oh, this isn't relevant and skipped on and, and went on to the math, they scored the worst on a one-to-one basis. So what they uh, deduced from that was it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do in the test. We know how you're going to do on your math test based on how much of this busy work you're willing to do. So the concept was the rice farming cultures have a little rice paddy in their backyard and the more time you spend in your rice paddy, the richer a farmer you are, as opposed to more of a, a Western agricultural model where it's all about big bank loan, big tractor, big acreage, big crops, wealthy farmer. So while trying to kind of instill the values of work, reward, relationship, effort, relationship, I've found that just very simple barbell strengthening, whether it's a bench press, back squat, deadlift, what have you, is the, the cleanest, simplest way to instill that. I thought about instead of giving them a $20 uh, allowance a week, like throw a, a sack of pennies in the yard, have them pick up one at a time to do that. But I didn't go that far because <laughs> if they didn't get all the pennies, imagine the carnage when you mow the lawn, right? right. I liked that. I, I liked that idea. Like, are you willing to bend over and pick it up? And that's kind of instilling that mathematical mind. Um, but I see it. I, I hope that it, that it translates. It's all going to be their process, but that is how I set them up to make the, the conversion from straight physical strength, bro skills to real life warrior kind of skills. Right. Mm. Yeah. So I do a lot of consultations in interviews with men specifically talking about their exercise history and their athletic background and that sort of thing. It's amazing to me how many men will talk more about their coach back in high school or, or whatever, about how that person influenced them mm. than they will about their dad, oh. which is very interesting to me uh, uh. because what's really interesting about a coach is, is they are the person who, in your eyes, in whatever it is they're coaching you in, they know everything. 
you listen to coach. You do what coach says. It's like Sensei Lawrence, right? Sensei Lawrence knows best. You do what Sensei Lawrence says. Yeah. And unbeknownst to the kids in Cobra Kai, Sensei Lawrence has a lot to learn about, you know, life. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, he's he's still developing. Yeah. But what's really interesting about the fatherhood process and the process of learning new physical things and whatnot is your kids getting to see you fail, like not know everything. And how you deal with that. Because what's cool about the physical process is we have limitations. Like we are a limited being. And and maybe I'm really good in X vein. I don't know, running, running up hills, hiking, ninja warrior. Like I'm cool in those veins. But if you put me in a kettlebell strongman competition, then you would watch me fail pretty hard. And how do I deal with that? Am I frustrated? Do I come back to the plate? Do I hit my training a little harder? Do I cry about it? Do I get you know pissed off and create good TV? Like what, what, what does all that look like? And what, what's really powerful about the physical process with kids is they get to watch you as somebody who knows quite a bit, but also as somebody who meets up against their limitations. And, and then how do you deal with that with humor or, or gusto or discipline or consistency or denial all, all of the things right yeah uh, so so it's it's a really interesting corollary in my mind when i'm watching this cobra kai show and i know like it's tv it's not real but at the same time there's a real story there about seeing somebody fail who you thought had all the answers yeah and still learning from that process because ultimately it's one thing to master a skill it's another thing to master this overarching skill in life of dealing with sucking for a little bit before yeah. you get good at something. Yeah, and I try to instill that concept with that simple phrase of there are no adults in the world. You know, as, as a child, you think that we've got all this figured out. We're finished products. There are boundaries that can't be crossed because the adults have sorted this all out, and it's just absolutely not true. And I try to remain vulnerable in front of my kids to to show that, right? Like I, this was a strange year, but it was a good year. It was a really good year. You know, I, I learned how to play chess. I learned how to, how to meditate consistently. I learned how to surf and I had to do all these things by being a total beginner, willing to laugh at my own limitations right in front of my children. Mm. Right. I had, I had to do that, that, and that's part of it. Um, and it's such a simple lesson to teach, but it's it's one that I take a lot of pride in and a lot of excitement with because it's one I avoided for my whole life. I really yeah. only wanted to stay in the realm of the things that I was excellent at that made me feel good. Um, and just kind of cracking out of that the last uh, three years, three and a half years has been a real joy, really uh, an absolute exhilarating experience, you know, and just kind of putting a new perspective on, on how I'm, how I'm interacting with my, my family, my community, and just trying to really have perspective, take a big step back and try to remember that it can, it can be your last year alive. And exactly how should you interact with your, your people right now with that in mind? Uh, what a what a fun way to look at your life, look at your day, look at your interactions with your kids, and that I, it gets me coming back to what you've been alluding to, and these are basically master skills, right? I I, I don't have enough time to teach my children, my community, everything that I think I. I would like to. Um, but if we can teach those master skills of learning the resilience and the, the kind of the humility, the willingness to laugh at yourself as you initiate the process of something new and um, 
I guess it just takes a lot. Of, it comes down to self-confidence, right? A child mm-hmm. really has to believe in themselves. They really have to feel that they are, they're more than their good test score or their great performance. They have to really believe that they have a sound foundation of love and support and they're, they're beyond their activities. They have intrinsic value. I heard, um, I was listening to a podcast the other day and I love the uh, notion of your internal thermostat and trying to raise your internal thermostat basically by investing yourself a little bit and and expecting beyond survival right and there's so many ways to invest in yourself and raise that internal thermostat um in the context i was listening to it's not really my path but it was more in a, a religious context and saying that you know people change their behavior they treat themselves far better after they adopt a new religion because they've just kind of raised their thermostat they went from a 54 and they're like wait a minute i'm a, I'm a son of god you know like hey i should i should be eating better than this <laughs> you know right, yeah. that kind of concept <laughs> um and it does spill over into those physical activities too. When you invest that time in your in your body, in your mind, in your mobility, in your strength, and your your meditation, whatever it is, you are building up that internal value of yourself. You're worth investing in further because you have so far. So I think that's a, a master skill that I'm really trying to evoke and, and reinforce with my community when I have the opportunity. And it really does come down to confidence, self-love, self-care, and being being willing to um, expand and not cling to what you already have. And it's, it's a lot easier said than done to build up somebody's self-confidence, you know, and self-love. I mean, I've, I've got as, as many unfortunate moments where I get self-absorbed and, you know, temper snap. I've got plenty of those, (laughs) right? But I I just try to keep my overall view and my focus back on what my highest goal is and try to come back to that place whenever I um, see the opportunity to do so. Mm, And kind of embodied in that is is the idea that you can ask and you can get in the habit of asking yourself internally, am I better than this? Can I be better than this? How do I get better than this? Uh, Or, or, hey, you're you're better than this. (laughs) All of those internal messages. And I think you mentioned something earlier. I was talking about my childhood and and how maybe that gave me an itch to scratch. There was a stress there. There There's a biological process that creates kind of some pent up, built up energy and, and exercise can be a great outlet for that. Right now, no matter where you came from, no matter what your childhood looks like, no matter how much money you have, whatever, right now, globally, the world is stressed. Like yes. everybody's got a pent up stress, you know, anxiety, depression, like, you know, maybe you're wrestling with finances, maybe somebody closed your gym yes. and now you don't have barbells. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're locked down, maybe you're not, maybe you're not locked down and you're wondering why everybody's freaking out. But either way, everybody is under a we're all currently experiencing an uptick in the stress that we feel right now. 100%. And, and what's powerful about what we're talking about here is it's not only an opportunity to maybe change the way you've done things for a time, as you said, this year gave you some perspective that you appreciated, but also very practically, this is a great time for everybody to be moving. This is a great time for everybody to get out and go for a walk. It's a great time for everybody to, it's critical. I don't know, have a dance party in your living room. You know, <laughs> like it's, it's a great time for everybody to find a physically powerful outlet that may or may not lead to some discipline for, for betterment to exude some of that stress and whatnot. And as I hear you speaking, I'm, I'm thinking about the internal process of, can I be better than this? Am I better than this? And I think it's something that we all get to ask ourselves right now and, and maybe come up with an answer. Uh, it, you don't have to change everything, just change a little thing. And you mentioned how that affects our community as well. Uh, I, I'd love to talk a little bit about how, as your boys are growing and whatnot, you've gotten to learn a lot about as a chiropractor and as a dad and as a rugby coach, 
what kids can and can't take healthfully from an exercise perspective. Like yeah. really young kids, for instance, don't do the same and their bodies don't quite adapt the same as a 17 year old boy. Right. So in your mind, how does that progress for a child? Cause I have a lot of dads listening. I have a lot of moms listening right now who are like, yes, okay. I want to help my kid get active. How yeah. do I encourage them to get started and what should I encourage them in? Do they need to be doing the same workouts as me? I've heard some of this is dangerous, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so how do you generally advise uh, parents when they're bringing their kids to you and trying to avoid injuries and whatnot. I put this into several different camps or clusters. Um, in that whole prepubescent age, I am not as conservative as some. My children have been lifting heavy with me since their age about nine. We used to compete in father-son strength competitions. Cool. I do acknowledge that that's not for everyone, though. You know, through my experience of trying to do some online uh, coaching and guidance for my child athletes, I realized that there's a critical threshold that must be met, and that's training to train. We have this kind of idealized, romanticized uh, vision of how children move. And, it, you know, if it wasn't for society and desks and all of this, we'd all be moving perfectly. Our feet would splay out. Our posture would be that of a dancer. We'd squat and rise all the way to the ground. Um, next time you have the opportunity, tell an untrained kid to squat and rise for you and watch the absolute train wreck that unfolds before you. You know, they, their hips just drop to the ground. They come up on their toes, their knees slam together, they're around their back. That is the number one most important reason why children should be training from a young age, to take ownership and understanding of your basic fundamental movement motor patterns to, you don't ha they don't have to understand leverage, fulcrum, pulleys, anything like this. They just have to move that way. If you can get them to a place where their squat and rise, their hinge, their deadlift is all um, maximized as far as leverage and efficiency is concerned, you're setting them up for a lifetime that will go a different direction than the people who end up in my office office looking for an alternative to knee and hip replacements. Can I pause you right there real quick? Just sure. to, some of our audiences go like, oh, okay, that sounds really good. And I'll just use a, a quick example to make that real to them. So if I have a five-year-old, if I told Gabriel, hey, I want you, I want you to squat down and stand back up. And he squats down and he stands back up, right? But if I look at him and I say, hey, keep your, keep your head and chest up and drop your shoulders a little bit and try mm -hmm. that again. The skill of being able to keep your head up drop your shoulders and to do the same movement again, even that connection of knowing what yes. that even means of being aware of yes. where your head is and being aware of where your shoulders are and being able to incorporate that in a movement. I have to teach people that after they've lived for 50 or 60 years and have never figured out how to connect those yes. two things, not, not necessarily just the squat, just like, what do you mean? Keep my shoulders out of my ears. Mm -hmm. What's that like? I'm like, Dude, I wonder your back hurts. Like if I did this for 50 years, my back would absolutely. hurt too. <laughs> like, absolutely. And I, yeah. and I experience that every day. Um, I don't have chronic pain. I don't have issues that pop up between my injuries. Um, but I realize that it's only because I'm moving in a way that avoids them. You know, when I, when I show a patient how they just moved, I say, okay, well, this is, this is kind of the optimal way. This is how you moved when you went to pick that up. I feel pinning in my hip and in my back almost every time. Like, oh my goodness, I'm just as injured as you are. I just have a kind of a movement patch I put on top of it. So it doesn't matter at all, right? I never experienced the limitation or the discomfort of a 42-year-old body just because I, I move around it and I just move in a way that's extremely efficient. And a couple things that you mentioned, um, talking to an adult about bring your chin back, things of this nature. About 50% of kids that I work with and a smaller percent of adults, but it's still there, honestly have no idea 
how to move their lower back independent of the rest of their body, right? So I'll ask them to do a good morning, hinge forward, don't let your spine move. And they will absolutely have 16 degrees of flexion right there from, from S1 to, to L1. And they have no idea it's there. I have to put a dowel on their back and videotape it and say, look at that. Like you don't know where your spine is in place. Here, let's introduce you to your body. It's, it's back there. You don't get to see it. But without that cue, it's just not there. And I see that with a lot of children. And some children, it's a long process just to get them to the place where they know what it feels like without being told by me what it feels like to have their spine in neutral position while they hinge. Um, and it's a, it's a huge challenge that led to me dropping all strength components of my youth online programs, where it was like, I, I'm just not in a position to, to trust your parents to handle this. You know, it's really for that age group, if you're going to go into strength in that kind of like, like I did, I was bold, you know, they had their home physician and strength coach. So I, w- I felt emboldened to be far more aggressive. Um, but if you are, if you are that person, if you are strength training with your child, I think those are the only people who it's safe and reasonable to actually strength train children of that of that age. If you're doing it with them, they have an on-site coach um, cueing all the movements. They, um, I thought of something as you, as you were talking there. Uh, the, it reminds me the concept of learning how to move as though you're going to be lifting maximal weight all the time. Children don't have to do that, right? Their joints are made of smiles, sunshine. <laughs> they can just drop to the ground and stand back up. You know, they don't care. <laughs> so there's there's no feedback loop that would guide them to moving in an optimized way, right? And I, I had a, an interesting thought as you were talking. Teaching a child to move as though they're a power lifter is similar to that e-myth concept of structuring any company, whether it's a lemonade stand or window washing company, structure it from day one to handle a multi-site corporate uh, volume, right? You have to, if you start systemized with your company and you have room for infinite growth, well, you're going to have a different outcome than if you're just kind of throwing dollar bills in your pockets. And this is kind of a similar concept for the physical body moving as though you're going to be lifting 700 pounds when you bend over to, to tie your shoe, um, just leaves open that, that capacity for that movement system overall. So I think that's the biggest opportunity. And that's why I, I'm an advocate of every child learning strength training at any age. And then then you have to pick and choose which of these kids you're actually going to allow to load. The research is sound. The research is solid that children thrive when they lift very heavy. The myths associated with arthritis or stunting height um, just don't stand up to science. That's not my concern. My concern is I only want to strengthen optimal movement. I only want to reinforce optimal movement. So if you have a if you have a unicorn of a child who just naturally moves great and watches a video and away they go, maybe you could have someone kind of unsupervised going that direction. That would not be common though. I think you you just have to focus on perfect movement and only load that child if if they've got their coach parents in the room. Mm, Well said. Now, if let's say a child doesn't have that, they don't have access to a coach, maybe their parents not very well versed in weight training and whatnot. uh, What exercise modalities have you generally recommended to kids who don't have the outlet of strength training necessarily? Well, some things are a little bit more intuitive you know, more like uh, sandbag training. The form is a little more intuitive. It's okay to round your back into it. You kind of brace it into the to the belly if you're lifting like a large stone or something of that nature. Um, so it's, it's more or less like farm strength you want to build yeah, up in that yeah. context, right? There isn't like a, a perfect technique for putting a 35-pound a sandbag on one shoulder and walking up that hill and back. You kind of figure it out and you work with your body. And, <laughs> and um, I think there, there are less rules when it comes to those really functional, awkward kinds of movements. I like 
sleds for kids. Mm. You know, my, my kids live in a strange world where having multiple squat racks and sleds and jerk blocks and everything is just kind of what they do for fun. Um, but that's, that is the kind of thing that can also be kind of made up as you go along though, you know? Yeah. High school kids can be pushing the the family's Honda Civic up and down the the block, you know. Um, doesn't have to be in the paradigm of Olympic lifting, weightlifting, or kettlebelling to load the spine and get get the super compensation effect you're trying to get. So um, that's one direction I could go in, um, but otherwise it really doesn't even have to be weighted at all. You know, getting that metabolic conditioning kind of a concept is super fun. You know, you can just go for one, one workout that I do with my kids is like five rounds of max pushups, jog the alley back and forth. And you just, you go to interesting places in your head. You're going to, you know, it's like a, you get, you get to that fight or flight mode where you're kind of gasping for air and, and you realize, you know, okay, I was a little stressed out about this. I kind of exercise some demons there. Mm. Um, so I, I like high intensity interval training, body weight, stuff, just throwing in simple, simple running intervals, you know, it doesn't have to be Fran or anything like that by any means, you know, um, you can just take whatever, whatever a kid likes to do and just put it in a fun framework. I'll, I'll go with like 10 to one. Okay. You, you like to do sit-ups. You like to do jumping jacks. Great. 10 of each, nine of each, eight of each, come all down to one, get it done as fast as you can time it, you know, you, you can, you can just blow out the speed on something like that. It's totally safe. We took away some of the, the risk factors, you know, mm. like with my kids as confident as I am in them, they make me a little nervous. You know, like my 13 year old's too dang strong. He's, he's, <laughs> he's really strong. He's very committed. He will, he'll do whatever I tell him to do. And I'm not comfortable with him deadlifting right now. It's just like, you know, the studies say it's fine. I've never seen any study of a 13 year old with your strength to weight ratio. And we're not going to experiment here. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, we so what I do in that context, we have a tempo fail. It's because, you know, I used to do, you know, it's like five, five, five plus, five, three, one training with them and it would just go to failure, you know? And it worked. It was like a twelve minute workout and it just took him places that never been. Now that's not the way we train with that guy. It once he start once he loses that ideal tempo, if I've got him coming down in a three tempo and back up on a one, if he slows down the way up, the set's over. That's yep, we're it. Yep. We're only going to get strong in I'm not even waiting for form to break. I'm just waiting for tempo to break. I want his five by five to be clean the exact same speed all the way through. And that's how I can kind of safeguard him away from his end range strength. Mm-hmm. Um and then I, I take those take those restrictions off once we get into the Metcon, the the run to the beach, man. We sell out on that thing. It's horrible. And he's always two steps in front of me. It's wonderful. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I guess I was all over the place. So those are a few of my personal concepts that, I, that I'm interacting with through, through the development of my boys. I started off with them when they were 9 and 13, and now they're you know, 13 and 17. Mm. I love that. I, if you don't mind, I want to piggyback on that. Absolutely. Yeah, let's get into it. So if your children are pre-adolescent and you are well-versed in weight training, then with good coaching and good movements, one can teach a child to strength train well. Yes. And it's not mm-hmm. the same sort of strength training. You're not trying to like, you know, build muscle on a, on a nine-year-old. They don't have a lot of growth hormone, a lot of testosterone. You're just teaching their body how to move right. with loads. And you're doing it intelligently. And, and as long as they're moving well, you'll avoid injury. Now, if you don't feel that confident or there's not a coach available to work with your kiddo, then doing exercise without weights can still be a very powerful Absolutely. thing for them. And, you know, for my boys, I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old. They help me with chores in the backyard. We just moved a bunch of bricks from one side of the yard to the other. And I've got my two-year-old. He's got his little brick. And for a two-year-old, a five-pound brick is quite the obstacle to carry all the way across <laughs> yeah. the yard. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. He's like, ugh, ugh. it's the cutest thing ever. He's like, ugh. like I, I don't. Yeah. I guess his brother made it sound hard, and so now he's he's doing it. And you know, I've got the yeah. got the five year old picking up bricks and and putting them in the wheelbarrow, which is going from ground to chest. And and you know, after about forty reps, you know, he's he's in a great spot, and and that's appropriate for children prepubescent. Yeah, that's that farm strength we were talking about. <laughs> that's exactly Absolutely. right. Yeah, the movement, functional movement, just learning how to handle their body, learning how heavy things are, learning when they can't pick it up and they need dad's help, you know, and, and how to tag team something. But then as uh, children reach adolescence and they start getting that growth hormone, uh, boys start getting that testosterone and whatnot. Not only is is the body well primed for strength training, but it's it's also a great time to teach their muscles how to move. And so if you do have kiddos who are in that age range, working with them from a body weight perspective, your yoga and martial arts, cardiovascular exercise, mm-hmm. doing as many push-ups as you can and then running around the block. Mm-hmm. That's great. But it's also a, a good time to start getting into the discipline of, of weight training yes. and find them a place where they can practice that if they're not able to practice it with you. And maybe, maybe if you're a parent listening and you don't feel that confident about strength training, that's your cue that it's time for you to get on board as well. Uh, some of the best clients I've ever had is when they're like, ah, oh, my daughter's 12. I want her to be active. She's starting to be interested in her body body and stuff. And I think I need to get in shape too. I'm like, yeah, you do. All right, let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's get you guys moving together. Like that's I think you're, you're completely correct there. You start with the parent, make sure the parent knows what they're doing. Um, and then you get all of that experience that really that's, that's the treasure here. That's the gold. You, you guys are building together. And so it's, it's such a, a fun way to interact with a teenage kid. You know, there are, there are awkward times where you just don't even really know what the heck you can talk about as they're changing rapidly and everything. Um, and just to have that real simple interaction relationship that you can always come back to, you'll never regret it, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe a responsible way to go about it. If, if a middle-aged parent comes to you wanting to get something like this going, which I'd highly recommend, they probably Work, you'd work with both of them for several sessions and the basic lifts, the ones that matter, the power lifting, basically. I don't know if you do any Olympic lifting with them. And then maybe maybe they'd switch roles. You know, you'd just be observing while they coach each other. They coach themselves through through a couple sessions. And you could gauge, if they're ready, the whole point of it would be for them to outgrow you for a strength cycle. And out they go and do a six to eight week strength cycle and, and return and maybe open up more skill sets to them. Like, okay, do you guys want to learn how to kettlebell snatch now? Do you want to learn how to clean and jerk now? Um, I think there's tremendous possibility there for growth for a family, the relationships, the physical relationship. And that was, that's probably the safest way to go about it as well. Mm, well said. So as we're coming up on our time here, I feel like I could talk to you for, for quite a while, but I want to make sure that, that we give us both the time we need to get to our next victims. Wink, wink. Yeah, um, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah not far now. But we, we, we've talked about quite a few things. And one of the undercurrent themes here, I, I taught my son, he's five, I taught him how to read relatively young. And it's something that, you know, his mind was ready for. It's something that he's enjoyed. And it's because it's a gift that my mom gave me when I was a kid. And right now I get to, you know, in, in my adulthood and even through adolescence, I've gotten to take for granted that I'm a good reader. I just read. I just pick up things and I read and I have a good vocabulary. And it's not hard for me to process those things in my head, you know. Yeah. What we're talking about here sounds very similar in that mm-hmm. incorporating the ability to move and then the confidence that comes with it 
so that in adulthood, you can almost take it for granted. Not that you do take it for granted, Mm -hmm. recognize it, be thankful for it and whatever. But, but if we can instill that in our children such that they grow up and they're, they're confident, I feel like it's part of raising a generation who's in, in a better position to do better than even this generation. And that's personally my goal. And that's what defining dad bond is all about in, in your mind, when you're coaching these, these youth and rugby and you're working with your own kids and whatnot, is that also what's driving your confidence building and, and movement for them? Or is it something else? No, that's, that's critical. That's what I was kind of alluding to or trying to with the, that kind of raising their internal thermostat, uh, taking pride in their, their physicality and taking ownership of it. Um, I just think it leads to a higher self-esteem. You, you're less reckless with yourself when you've invested in it, when you, when you care about your, your physical body. Um, you know, like they say, you can see, you can see a cat is uh, doing well and it's, it's well adapted in its scenario. If it's, if it's cleaning its fur often, <laughs> right. And mm-hmm. children are just simple little animals, you know, and if you can get them into the habit of investing in themselves physically like that, I think it really sets them up for, for making safe, responsible decisions for their, for their life going forward, you know? So that, that's a major, major part of this and building up that confidence, as I was alluding to it, it it's bigger. It's really big right now. It's, it's critical. We're at a moment where it's really important to make eye contact with people and to say hello, say it from your chest. How are you? Because people with all of the anxieties they have and the, the depressions that come up and the, the diminishing self-esteem that they have and all the self-doubt that they have, it just feeds the problems worse. And, and I see it, you know, if you're on the, on the sidewalk in my little neighborhood these days, um, you know, two thirds of people will kind of avoid eye contact and kind of hide behind the mask and, and do everything, you know? Um, and it's, and it's just a really important time to reach out, to build people up. And this is, this is our smallest, most concentrated sphere of influence, what, what we can share with this next generation, with our children. This is where we have our biggest impact and we don't want to leave any cards left on the table. We want to play every advantage we have to leave this planet better than we found it. And I think it's, I think it's a critical, critical tool to, to use everything you have to build these children up, to make them bold, loved, loving, confident, brave, courageous, willing to be wrong, willing to sacrifice, willing to step outside of themselves. And, and this is just a simple, sweet ritual, the strength training that feeds into that for my family. Mm. Man, let me knuckle bump you across the U.S. Let's go. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for your time, Skylar. It has been a pleasure. Yes, yeah, it's been fun. Appreciate I appreciate what you. you're doing in the world. Uh, to my listeners, guys, this has been Alex Van Houten with Defining Dad Bod. Until next time, kick butt, take names. The free practical advice and conversations here remain unbought and unbiased thanks to the support of Better Daily. If this episode has been helpful to you, share it with someone in your life you know it will benefit. Then subscribe to the podcast and leave us a raving review to tell others what value Defining Dad Bond has brought to your health and fitness journey. Finally, if you're struggling for betterment, don't do it alone. We all have a cross to carry, and it's lighter when we do it together. Go to definingdadbond.com slash better daily to get supported, challenged, and inspired to take yourself to the next level. Who knows who we could be? if we could become 1% better every single day. Go to definingdadbod.com slash better daily today. That's definingdadbod.com slash better daily.